listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Well, happy Easter, everyone. You know, Easter is actually 50 days long. Uh, Lent's 40. And so if you really want to freak people out, tell people a happy Easter for the next 50 days. Look, uh, just as a quick reminder, after our 10.30 a.m. Mass, we'll have our parish-wide picnic uh, celebrating Easter. And so I know a lot of you uh, still plan on coming to it. It's, it's open to the parish. So you're more than welcome to come back after our 10.30 a.m. Mass. It'll be kind of in the back of school. We'll have food, vendors, things for the kids and everything. It'll be a beautiful day for it. And so y'all are more than welcome to come for our parish picnic, and also our VBS sign-up. Uh, it'll be closing this week where it's just for us, just for the parish. After this week, you can still sign up, but it will be open to people that are not from our parish, uh, outside of our parish. And look, um, me and Father Brady were talking, and uh, we got a lot of good feedback from our Lenten preaching series. Well, we talked about and explained the Mass. So me and Father Brady, we decided to have another preaching series. There are seven Sundays of Easter. And there are seven sacraments. So these next seven weeks, we're going to go into the sacraments. It's called mystagogy. The, old, the early church did this across the world. The mystagogy, mystery, unpacking the mysteries of Christ. It was for those that were baptized, brought into the church as the Easter vigil. They spent the next seven weeks explaining the mysteries of Christ, the sacraments. And so that's what we're going to do. For for myself, I'm going to start just a little bit about sacraments in general, and then I'll go into that sacrament for the day, scripture-wise and how we practice it today. So first things first, why do we even have sacraments? Uh, our blessed Lord, through his passion, his death, his resurrection and ascension, Jesus, he won for us all the grace we need. All the grace in the entire world, Jesus got it for us. But the thing is, he still decides how to communicate it to us. He won for us a big bank of uh, grace. Uh, we have to deposit it. We have to withdraw that grace. Jesus has decided to use the sacraments to give us that grace he won. He chose the sacraments because, quite frankly, he can do that. He, it's his grace. He can communicate it to us any way he wants. And the nicknames of the sacraments throughout the ages were channels of divine grace. And that's what they are. But if you think about it, me and you, everyone, we're all physical and spiritual by nature. We have a natural need to ritualize the significant events in our life. Graduation ceremonies, award banquets, special dinners, weddings, these rituals signify something deeper, though. That wedding band on your finger represents much more than just the gold it's on. 
There is, however, a major difference between the sacraments and these other rituals that we do. A sacrament has a supernatural dimension where it actually communicates the grace that it's given. For instance, we come to a stop sign and we all stop. The sacraments, that stop sign actually forces us to stop. A sacrament gives, communicates what it actually does. Christ saved the world through assuming the concrete physical realities of human life and his incarnation. It is fitting that the salvation he won for us through human realities be communicated to us through sensible signs, both physical and spiritual. That's the sacraments. Now, the sacrament for today, confession. You know, in the Old Testament, it introduces the idea of objective morality, objective sin, and the forgiveness of those sins. Big sins and little sins, forgivable, even unforgivable sins. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was actually the possibility of obtaining forgiveness of sins through a liturgical rite. The New Testament picks this up. St. John in the New Testament writes, If anyone sees his brother sinning, if this sin is not deadly, he should pray to God and he will give him life. This is for those whose sin is not deadly. There is such a thing as deadly sin, about which I do not say that you should pray. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that is not deadly. St. John is talking about venial sins and mortal sins, little sins, big sins. And look, we all kind of have this idea, right? We've, we've heard it before. I, every night I pray to God, ask him to forgive my sins. I do a little act of contrition. I go to bed. That's beautiful, right? We should, we should do that. But that works for little sins, venial sins, about which St. John says we should pray for. But there are sins, mortal sins. He tells us, don't pray for that. It's too big for you. We need something more than just my own little personal prayer to forgive that sin because it's so big. There's light sins and grave sins. Jesus came to forgive sins and wanted this ministry to continue. On the first Easter Sunday afternoon in our gospel today, Jesus appeared to his apostles and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. And he's talking to the apostles. Only twice in sacred scripture does God breathe into a human being. Once in the Genesis account of creation where God breathes life into Adam. And then the second time right here where Jesus breathes the divine life into his apostles, this ability to forgive sins so that they can breathe life 
and to those that ask for forgiveness. Only God can forgive sins, but he has given that power to his apostles and the priests that come after him, this ability to forgive sins. When he says, when you forgive sins, they are forgiven. When you hold them bound, they are held bound. Here in our gospel, Jesus institutes the sacrament of confession. Okay, now here's something uh, a little fun. What are some popular fears of confession and how do we overcome them? The first, I can never tell father uh, so-and-so that he knows me. What will he think of me? Uh, most likely, what father so-and-so will think of you is that he is someone whom you can trust. Trust completely with something that's very personal and he knows that it was very hard for you to talk about and you found the courage to. He will not be ashamed of you. If anything, priests very often have a greater love for those that come to confession with them because he knows that you're trying to change and overcome the temptations you experience. Or, Father, it's been so long, I've forgotten how to go. That's okay. You simply go inside the confessional. You tell Father, it's been so long, I can't even remember. I don't even know how to do the act of contrition. And the priest will take it from there. He'll walk with you. Or this one, I heard this one quite a lot. Uh, if I actually told my sins to a priest, my confession would cause him to have a massive heart attack. I burn down the church. Uh, believe me, you do not have to be ordained very long before you've heard everything. There is nothing that you can say that could shock a priest. What took all of your strength to say is most likely just another typical day of hearing confessions for a priest. Think about it. A priest hears confessions in the church. A priest hears confessions in a grocery store. A priest hears confessions in rehab facilities, homeless shelters, prisons, safe houses for women and children. Don't be afraid. A priest has heard it all. And a priest being scandalized by sin is like a, um, a mechanic being scared of oil or a cook being scared of flour. There has never been a profession in the entire history of humanity that has dealt more with sin than a priest. So if you actually think about it, the hardest person in the entire world to scandalize is a priest. Pray about that. Uh, the priest will remember my sins and think differently of me. Uh, well, first, it's our job to forget, and uh, priests are pretty good at it. Uh, a priest hears hundreds of confessions a week, thousands every month. Most likely, the priest will forget you before your hand touches the doorknob. And um, just kind of generally, guys are pretty good at forgetting. 
Just ask any wife. Some comforts. Uh, You can either go face to face or behind the screen. The option is up to you. The dialogue doesn't have to be formal or structured. You don't have to remember every sin you've ever committed. Just the mortal sin since your last confession. You are worthy of forgiveness. Even the Pope, even your priest, have been in that position before. And you will leave feeling more peaceful and joyful. A person knows that they are truly loved when they're loved at their very worst. A priest is not scandalized by your sin any more than a mechanic is scared of oil or a cook is scared of flour. Think about it. The whole reason a priest exists, the whole reason why a priest forsakes marriage or gives up a career or gives up a paycheck, a family, or climbing a ladder is for you. A priest is not a priest for himself. He doesn't absolve his own sins. Who else are you going to trust with your leprosy? To touch it and not get sick, to bring God's mercy into it. You're tempted by sin, but so is everyone else. If you have been away from confession for a long time, or if you're too scared to go, know that I have been praying for you every day since I've ordained a priest. Confession is a beautiful sacrament of God's love and mercy. So please come back.